A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. Here are your hosts, Dan Hansen and Betsy Thompson. Happy Saturday, everybody. Happy July 25, Christmas in July, today, right? I think. See, if Betsy was here, she would say, absolutely. Although that sounds like Mickey Mouse, but I really don't know how to do Betsy's voice. But, And I really don't know that she would say, yes, absolutely. I can't honestly think of very many times that Betsy has wholeheartedly agreed with anything I say. So let's just roll with it. Let's, let's say, if it's not official, it is now. I'm making it official. This is officially Christmas in July. And for Christmas in July... Everybody is going to get, well, the standard dose of Hallmark movies. You get to watch those all today. But you also get a great show. Because even though Betsy's not here, we have planned amazing things. Because we really went to work knowing she was going to be gone. And we crafted all of these episodes way out ahead of time. For the most part. Now, the parts that stink today are going to be the parts that I kind of, kind of, you know, I, I, I winged them. I was going to say wung them, but that's that's per- certainly not the past tense for winged or wing. See, this is the stuff Betsy would have stopped from happening. So let's just move on. The parts that I wung or that I winged, <laughs> those are the parts that blow. The good parts are going to be like the last half of the show. The last half of the show, for example, is an interview with Nancy Von Inns and Kim Zolper, designers out of the Saugatuck area that we recorded about three months or so ago before Betsy's surgery. We knew that she was going to be gone, so we wanted something to talk about and be able to air so I didn't have to just go on and on by myself. Kim and Nancy contacted us and said, hey, we should talk about the power of paint in decorating and design. And we said, by all means, let's do that. And so they're going to be here to talk about that from a designer's point of view, not just ours, because we are salespeople and we know that. It is fun to hear from somebody else that what we're saying really is true, if that's what they say. Maybe they will disagree with us. We're going to have to find out. So just ride with us for that. Also, we're going to talk about a house that I stumbled into on the Internet called The Lindens. It's in Washington, D.C., And there is an incredible story behind this house. In fact, that's why we opened the show with the song that we opened with rather than the normal music. The song that played at the beginning is called If These Walls Could Speak. And it was made famous by Glenn Campbell. But that version that you just heard was Sean Colvin, a female um, folk singer that I really like. That's my favorite version. But the song is great. And it just talks about all the stories that our walls would tell if they could speak. And let me tell you, if the, the walls at the Lindens could speak, they would have some amazing stories. But since they can't, I'm going to tell you as much of those stories as I can, and that's coming up next. But right now, we want to talk about some Paint 101 kind of stuff. You know, ever since this lockdown, a lot of folks started tackling paint projects for the first time, and we got a ton of questions online and over the phone and in the stores about some very basic things. And Betsy and I thought way back that we should probably hit some of these ideas and talk about them on air. And so... We're going to do that right now. And the first one that we want to tackle is scuff sanding. And even if you know a lot about paint, there's still probably something in here that's going to be valuable for you that you maybe hadn't heard about before. So let's get right to it. Scuff sanding. What is it? Well, scuff sanding is basically taking the finish that you've got on whatever surface it is and dulling it down 
so that you can put a new coating on top of it. Sanding down to bare wood or to bare steel or whatever the, the original substrate is, is not scuff sanding. Scuff sanding is just dulling that surface coat just enough for your next coat of paint or varnish or whatever. So why do we do it? Why is scuff sanding necessary? Well, it's necessary because new paint or new varnish or whatever doesn't bond well to hard, glossy surfaces. So you need to create a profile to give the paint or the varnish or the primer something to bond to. Now, when is it necessary? Well, it is situation specific, but here are some things to think about. If you're painting varnished cabinets, for example, always do scuff sanding. If you're switching from an oil base to a latex paint, always scuff sand. If you're painting over a glossy paint, whether it's oil or latex, scuff sand. And what constitutes glossy? You know, let's clarify that. If it's a gloss, a semi-gloss, or a satin sheen, the three shinier finishes, then you would want to scuff sand. If it's an eggshell or a flat, you probably don't need to. Now, here's another question that comes up all the time. Can I skip scuff sanding if I go to a bonding primer? See, there are primers out there that are made to bond to tough-to-paint surfaces. And some of them even say right on the label, no sanding necessary. So can I skip it if I use that? Well, we would never recommend doing that, and here's why. When you do this project, any project, you're creating a foundation that you're going to build on, and you've got one shot at doing it right. So scuff sanding is that great insurance step to make sure that you get good results down the road. If you skip it, you can never really go back. At least you can't go back easily and remedy that. So why, why do that? Just get it right the first time. So do your scuff sanding and then still use that bonding primer. All of that is a really great way to go. So sticks, Aqualock, both of those are great bonding primers from Inselex, which is a Benjamin Moore company, but we'd still recommend a good scuff sanding. Now, okay, all of that makes sense, but what sandpaper grit is recommended when we talk about scuff sanding? Well, when you're repainting trim and cabinets, let's say, you'd want to use 150 grit sandpaper at the low end, and you'd want to use 220 grit at the finest. 180 is a really good middle-of-the-road option. Now, one other thing to remember before we wrap this up is when you finish scuff sanding, always wipe down that surface really well with a damp rag. Dust and debris is an absolute enemy to this whole process. So get a damp rag, get a bristled head on a shop vac for the grooves, whatever you need to do, be diligent and get all of that dust off or it's going to just end up in your finish paint. All right. There's a lot more we could talk about, but that's all the time we've got. If you have any questions about any of that stuff or any paint project at all or any paint process in any paint project, just give us a call. Any Repcolite store or you can use the online chat function and just ask your question. We'll get you your answer. Now, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Lindens, a storied house with quite a story to tell. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, I ran into an interesting article on the internet the other day, and I thought I'd talk about it. It was an article on Architectural Digest's website, and the, the article was entitled Inside the Oldest House in Washington, D.C. Now, the article focuses on a home called the Lindens. It's a three-story residence that sits on one of the largest lots in Calorama, Washington, D.C. Now, it's a house with a build date of 1754. It predates the Revolutionary War. But that's just the beginning. There's way more to the story than that. Now, the house was built for Robert King Hooper. He was a leading ship owner, a merchant, and here's the fun fact. Here's the thing that really sets this house apart from almost anything out there. 
It was built in Danvers, Massachusetts, 457 miles from where it is right now. Here's the story. Robert King Hooper, he was a Tory. You know, he sympathized with Britain. He was commonly called king because of his kingly fortune. And to project his wealth and his social stature, you know, we drive cars and stuff like that, that that tell everybody about what we've achieved in our life. I drive a Ford Transit Connect to let everybody know that I have made it. I have arrived. You know, it's got... You got to use the key to open the little flap where you put gas in. You got to use the key to open the hood. It's pretty top notch. Ford Transit Connect. That's how I convey my wealth and social stature. Robert King Hooper decided to build an enormous, massive mansion. So he had the Lindens built in 1754. It was a huge New England Georgian townhouse, all right? It took its name from the trees lining the long drive. There's the beginning. Now, spring. 1774. We're drawing closer to the Revolutionary War. General Thomas Gage, who's the commander-in-chief of the British forces in North America, is appointed the governor of Massachusetts. All right, right where the home is. Now, since Hooper was a loyalist, Gage made the Lindens the headquarters of the loyalist cause in Massachusetts, and he actually dwelt there for a period of time. Now, if you know anything, even a little, about the Revolutionary War, you're going to notice that you you recognize Gage's name, if nothing else. His enforcement of some of the king's decrees actually brought the colonists to the point of insurrection. He was clumsy or or heavy-handed. You know, he just couldn't or wouldn't make these things politically expedient. He just hammered the colonists over and over, and it drove everybody to the point of revolution and anger in Massachusetts. Now, there's actually a bullet hole in the heavy front door of the Lindens from a shot taken during this time period when this was the headquarters of the Loyalist cause. All right, as the war unfolds, Hooper loses his social footing. You know, all his fortune, all his standing in the community, it it crumbles away. His ties to England certainly didn't help him, and he loses the home to creditors. Now, flash ahead, a century and a half later, the house has been through a number of owners, and by the 1930s, a couple of antique dealers buy it and begin kind of starting to strip it down. They, They sell an entire room of paneling off to a museum. And people around the home fear that it's going to get stripped clean. You know, preservation societies who were aware of it are concerned that this thing is just going to be stripped completely bare or raised to the ground, you know, just destroyed. Because the area around it starts to deteriorate. And it's the last standing, I think I read one of the articles referred to it at that period as an oasis amongst all the waste of the area. And people were concerned that this great historical monument to some extent, is going to be just trashed. Well, the antique dealers don't continue to sell the house off and they don't raise it to the ground. Instead, they sell it to a couple named George and Miriam Morris in 1934. See, George and Miriam had actually been looking for a period house to show off their collection of early American furniture. They had one of the most renowned, if not the most renowned, collection of early American furniture around, and they wanted the right setting to show it off and highlight it. Their original plan was to build a historical replica in Washington, D.C., where they came from. But the stock market crash really kind of put that out of the picture, and they realized that buying a true historical home that was in need of repair and renovation, and moving that home to where they wanted it was actually more economically feasible than building a new one. 
So they scoured the country looking around for the right house. They had a certain area that they wanted it to come from. They checked it out. They found this house and bought the Lindens for about $14,000 again in 1934. Then the fun process came of disassembling the entire thing painstakingly, numbering each single piece and then loading them all up on six railroad cars, and then shipping them from Danvers, Massachusetts, 457 miles to Washington, D.C. There, it was reassembled on a concrete foundation, and they added, you know, um, modern electrical services, indoor plumbing, things like that. What's interesting is that even with these modern additions, Miriam Morris worked very hard to make sure that they were hidden when people would actually come through the house. The radio, for example, I believe she had a compartment built into the bookcase that would house and hide the radio, keep it out of sight. I believe she did that with the telephone and any modern convenience was hidden away in the home so that when you toured it or looked at it, you saw none of those things. You only saw the home as it was meant to be. The entire process of rebuilding that house and getting it to exactly what Miriam Morris wanted took about three years and really was considered one of the finest historical restorations to that date and even beyond. It's still considered one of the best. Since then, the home has gone through a number of owners and the current owners, as mentioned in that Architectural Digest article, just recently did a major renovation. There were many sagging parts of the home. You know, after a couple hundred years, homes tend to do that, right? So they fixed up some of those things, changed some of the aspects of the home, but still tried to stay true to the historical nature and quality of the home, even incorporating color schemes that, while new, still had some of that older feel. So it doesn't feel like a completely modern retake. It's still got that old classic feel of the 1754 house that it was. So all of that has happened. It's an amazing story. And when I think about that, I think about how few of us, I can't think of anybody really, none of us have a house with the history and stories of a home like the Lindens. None of us can boast that the infamous General Gage from the Revolutionary War stayed in our homes as a tenant or that our home was around to witness the birth of the nation. You know, we may look at our home and it may feel like it's been around that long because it's falling apart so badly, but none of them have been around that long. It's staggering to think about the fact that this home was there through all of that. There's a great and admittedly somewhat sappy song. I started the show with it. It's written by Glenn Campbell, but my favorite version of it is by Sean Colvin. It's called If These Walls Could Speak. I'm sure most of you have heard that. If you haven't, it's really worth a listen. But the concept, whether you've heard it or not, is simple enough to grasp. The walls of our homes would tell a story if they could only speak, right? And what's gut-level honest about the song is the fact that the walls wouldn't only tell stories about the good times. They see it all. They see the good and they see the bad. They see the fights and the laughter. They see the children bickering with each other. They see the dad who just wants to watch the A-team and eat his bowl of Lucky Charms. They see the children continue to fight while the dad is begging them to stop and then they see the dad trying to solve the problem and then spilling his lucky charms and missing the a-team the walls see all of those things the good and the bad and that's true of every single one of our homes no matter what your home looks like no matter how big how small how you know updated how out of date every single home tells a story we don't have thomas gage staying in the home right none of us do at least you know i hope not because if you do, it's probably time for a paranormal team or maybe an exorcist or something like that. Get him out. He shouldn't be there anymore. Most of our homes aren't the stopping places of famous visitors. They're not places where the rich and powerful hang out. But actually, they're lived in by people who are far more important, at least 
to us. Our homes are housing our families. They're places where we raised or are raising our children. They're the places where we gather on Christmas mornings, Easter's, Thanksgiving. They're where we sit around the table, eating dinner, laughing about something stupid that we did at work or at school that day. They're the places where we sit out on the deck and talk about the drama and the pitfalls and the heartache of teenage love. Oh my goodness, the drama of teenage love. I never ever was prepared for all of that drama. But anyway, our houses are the places where we bring home our first puppy, where we decorate our first baby room, and we give our kids rooms that that big kid update that they all need after a while. They're the places where some of our most important stories really take place, and every single home has a story to tell. Now, if you're anything like me, one of the most frustrating things when it comes to reading a story about the Lindens or watching some of these amazing shows and homes on, on cable television channels is that we see these homes that are beautifully restored. You know, they're palatial, they're immaculate. And we look at our own home and we think, man, this doesn't hold a candle to those. Our homes don't hold half the interest. They don't hold half the appeal, half the stature, half the beauty. And you know what? They don't, right? They don't. Here's the thing, though. They hold something better, at least to some extent. They hold the memories and the stories of our families. Now, that doesn't mean never move. You know, you, you, you've got to expand and move beyond when the time is right. The stories follow. The memories remain. It's not like they're locked into that place. But the point that I guess I'm trying to get at is that we should never forget that there is a certain beauty in the simplicity of even our little average homes, our less than perfect porches, our cramped little bathrooms, even our Michigan basements. Sometimes a move just isn't in the budget. And when that happens, you know, when that happens from my own personal experience, I know the tendency is to feel a little bit trapped. We see homes in magazines and on those shows like I was talking about, and it makes ours look and feel like a third place runner up in a two person contest. Right. If you find yourself in that boat. When you hear about a house like the Lindens or you see something amazing in an Architectural Digest magazine, just take a quick second and remember, your home is filled with your stories. And while it may not be perfect, it can always be better. Now, coming up in the next segment, we're going to go to an older interview that's never aired before with designers Kim Zolper and Nancy Von Inns out of the Saugatuck area. Now, they called Betsy and I and they suggested the topic, The Power of Paint. Now, from a home improvement point of view, there's absolutely nothing that's going to transform a home as quickly or economically as a new coat of paint. You can give a Michigan basement a clean feel. You really can with white paint on those block walls, very inexpensively. A new color scheme on your living room walls, new paint on your kitchen cabinets, a bold color maybe on a built-in, a whitewash over that 70s brick fireplace. Any or all of those projects can give you a new canvas to work on and really make your space feel like it's brand new. It may not feel palatial, but it's definitely going to improve what you think you've got. Now we're going to dig into that idea much more deeply with Kim and Nancy after a break. Don't go anywhere. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Betsy, what's next? <laughs> wow, it sounds like you have no idea what's next. I know what's next. I just um, want you to be able to feel important well, and smart er than me. Do you want to like rethink everything nope. that you just I, said? I just would like to apologize for everything that was offensive. Let's so move on. everything that you just said. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. So we talk about all the time to our listeners. How Ad nauseum. 
we we kind of do. Mm-hmm. We tell them all the time that paint is one of the biggest changes that you can make. That's the most cost effective. You know, I mean, just we a different so. color in your kitchen can really work wonders without tearing everything out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, we sure say that a lot. We that, talk a lot of smack. Well, that's us. And we sell the paint. So people probably roll their eyes and go, uh-huh. Of course, you just want to sell us paint. So we paid people or I mean, brought people. <laughs> we bribed them with cookies. <laughs> um, we are in the studio with Kim Zolper and Nancy Von Inns. They are two interior designers from the Douglas Saugatuck area. And we wanted to get their opinions on this because we say it all the time. But we sell the paint. So what do you ladies think? Is it really as cost effective as we tell people it is? Please say yes. I agree 100%. Yes. Well, look at that. We did not pay her for that. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why do you think that it's the most cost effective thing? Um, Well, one thing that comes to mind right now is we're dealing with Kim and I both a lot of uh, kitchens, especially that have oak, oak cabinets, Mm -hmm. oak trim oak floors and you're um, loving it because it's like <laughs> it's cutting like a edge time war cool it's right like you jumped in your time machine. you do feel like you just stepped back in time oh yeah. i love that feeling <laughs> and you know not a lot of people are ready to take on uh ripping out all their cabinets or you know pulling out all the trim so uh, you know putting fresh paint on that can really change the the whole entire you know out- painting the cabinets yeah yeah yeah, it can um, can make them feel instantly new, and I would say is a lot more cost effective than having new cabinets built for the space. So um, we've done a number of homes where putting white on the trim, you know, taking away the oak mm-hmm. and painting it white, you feel like you've stepped into a new home by making such a simple change. Well, I I imagine that you've run into this, but let's dig into this because. In, in certain crowds, that is almost fighting words because you're painting oak. Yeah. I mean, you're painting right? over wood. Yeah. We've run into people who mm-hmm. are really adamant that you can't paint oak. You shouldn't paint oak. Not just because it's not going to turn out well, right. but because you're covering over something that is valuable. That's one of the ideas out there. I don't know if you've run into that or not. But the other thing, and then we'll just talk about both of these, I want to know about the results and if you're happy with it, because the grain of oak is so porous and open mm-hmm. that a lot of the times with paint over top, it's not going to ever be smooth, smooth. I mean, is it acceptable when it's painted over? And and first off, I guess let's just dig into the whole, is it okay to paint oak? Can you give people the okay? It's <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. You, in fact, you see it a lot in furniture that's being made right now. There's a lot of oak um, furniture that's painted either like in a black matte stain mm-hmm. and part of the beauty of that is the texture of the graining of the wood. So yes, go for it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And you're not hurting anything. It's going to be all right. Right. Correct. Kim? Correct. Well, and oak is, is a great, uh, a wood in, in our climate, uh, the Midwest, you know, we, we go from really dry, cold extremes to, you know, it's raining and then the sun's out. Um, you know, we're just, we're in, a uh, uh, climate where it just keeps changing. And so you really, you know, with something like that, that is typical that you see a lot of around here because it just doesn't, uh, it adjusts well to, mm-hmm. to our climate. And like Nancy has just said, you know, with the furniture business, you'll see a lot of dark stained or almost painted oak where you can see the green, but it's not necessarily a light stain like the golden oaks that mm-hmm. we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could 
you know, if the quality of the cabinets is worth saving, definitely um, would save money by doing something like that. Um, Let me ask you, what does if someone were, you know, weighing their options? Okay, I can either paint my cabinets or I can rip out everything that I have and put in new cabinets. Is there like an average price that you run into that, you know, cabinets are generally going to run you about this much to do an average sized kitchen? Mm -hmm. That's hard because, you know, everybody's home is different and the size of their kitchen is different. Um, But I would say in my experience, having them painted versus putting in new, Mm -hmm. it can be half the cost or even less just to paint. So. So you're not, you're not paying savings. a contractor to come out and do all the, the heavy labor that's involved in that. So, yeah, a huge savings. We'll see right there. Right there. <laughs> and, we know, and we know that the primer, you know, the gallons that it takes, it doesn't take as much paint as you're going to think. A yeah, lot of the times true. you can get the paint and everything you need for two to four hundred dollars. Yeah. And you've got everything. You know, and, and a lot of cabinets are really nice on the inside, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't all have to necessarily be painted. Right. You know, that's your call and and how things shake out. So cabinets, that's one way to go. And the graining that you see is okay. You don't have to fill that because, like you were both saying, it's a popular look right now to see some of that graining. What other areas do you see huge differences? I mean, because you get to see so many houses, yeah. we get a little jealous because <laughs> yeah. we know that this plays out that way, mm-hmm. but we don't get to see as many opportunities where you walk in and you see a room like it was, and then you put a color on just yeah. a wall, just the paint, nothing else changed. Huge difference, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. It can totally transform the space. I mean, think about what, in the 90s, everybody had a deep red dining room and some of us still. Uh, some of us still, <laughs> because we don't know what to do, or we, we lived with we it for so long. We just the '90s so much. We, we do. To yeah, we had those red dining rooms, mm-hmm. which you know it's a bold, dramatic color, but it's sort of run its course. And you know, taking a room like that and just putting a fresh coat of paint on there. If you suddenly paint it navy or go with the gray, um, it, you're going to feel like you stepped into a new home once it's done. So. And, and you didn't change any furniture. Out. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I do think um, with one of the things I've realized, I'm working on a house right now that's 140 years old. I'm also wow. working on a really modern home that's being built currently. So I couldn't be like opposite sure. spectrums. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to see like with the house that I'm working on that's older um, – we're looking at 20 years ago, it's probably was painted last. Mm-hmm. It's the same tones, golds, the deep burgundy reds kind of tones. Um, and paint those ceilings. A lot of people, that's one place that they want to skip and, and try mm-hmm. to save money. But I'll tell you, dust and just from cooking and right. all of that, it really makes a huge difference. And you're not talking necessarily a color. I mean, right. even just white. Yeah. Right. Just Because you're freshness. exactly right. Everybody thinks Mm -hmm. it looks white. I mean, we all think that. Oh, it's white. I can see it's fine. Mm -hmm. But you're saying throw a little paint on there and you'll see how 
dingy it's become, yes, right? Yes, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. And it's not, it's kind of doing a disservice to the color you put on the walls if you're trying to freshen everything up. That's the one place I think people try to save money is just saying, mm-hmm. oh, we don't need to paint the ceilings. They look fine. But when you do see it, it's definitely like, wow, that really did freshen up. It really, you know, dust collects and just soiling over time. Same with the trim work. Um, it is a lot to take on and it is hard sometimes to decide whether or not to take the trim on mm-hmm. indoors, especially if they're stained. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how far do you want to go with it? That's always yeah. the big question. Where do I stop? Mm-hmm. Right. We would advocate never stopping. <laughs> right. Just get done and start again. Well, but you do see homes where some trim is painted in certain rooms, and in other rooms it's whatever the natural wood tone is or right. stained wood. So yeah. don't be afraid. Some to of them do quit that. like halfway. I just got sick of it. I'm so you're talking about yourself because I've never actually experienced that in anyone's home. No, you know what I found out. This is I'll be very fast. Yeah, I was stunned. I bought a new house four or five years ago, six years ago. Like way long ago compared to what I just found out. I have two completely different styles of trim that meet in my hallway. Oh. <laughs> they meet by a door. Like on one side of the door frame, mm-hmm. it's one trim. And the other side, it's a completely different style. <laughs> now they're both pine and they're stained the same color. But So I dr- maybe they thought no one would notice. No, I dropped a quarter. And I don't just leave a quarter on the floor. Well, a, because the kids might eat it. <laughs> Well, Your children old are old enough. I don't think they're going to eat quarters. I always operate with <laughs> the kids read. might eat that. So better pick it up. <laughs> and it's a quarter, you know? Yes. And so I go down there to pick it up and I realize my trim is completely different. So, yes, it's possible. Somebody could have trim painted on one half of their, their I, hallway. I suppose. And, and it might look perfectly normal. Just don't drop a quarter there. Because <laughs> then you will notice. Right. But just whitening it up makes a huge difference. Now... Kim and Nancy, we're hitting the end of the time that we've got for this segment. I'm wondering if you can hang out with us over the break, and we'll pick up the rest of this on the other side. Can you do that? Of course. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back in the studio with Nancy Von Inns and Kim Zolper in just a minute. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back in the studio with Kim Zolper and Nancy Von Enns, and we were talking about the power of paint, the difference that paint can make in a project and keep things economical and still evoke huge change in our spaces. And we were talking about trim and a number of different things, a number of different areas where paint can make a huge difference. We ended the last segment talking about trim. And before we move on, I want to talk about trim and just a slightly different way of looking at it. And at my old house, I had this big trim, you know, the old old style trim, very large. It was very intricate. And it was all stained a very dark color. And I left a lot of it that way because I liked the look. But a couple of rooms, we wanted to brighten up. So I painted the trim. And I was blown away by the design in the trim that I had never seen before when it was just stained. Once it was painted, all of that design work jumped out at me. And the whole thing felt new. And it was just paint. Well, and your trim is not going to take a ton of paint, especially if you just have like baseboards, Mm -hmm. if you don't have any crown molding or anything. And ceiling paint is not overly expensive. It is on the cheaper end of paint. 
and you don't need as much as you think. It's not like painting your walls. So again, you're less, but huge improvement. But you, you know, the rooms, the kitchens you talked about, mm-hmm. huge change when it goes from the golden oak to, to white or a current color or mm-hmm. anything yeah. other than golden oak. The whole room feels different. Yeah, we just updated some golden oak cabinets to um, black beauty we used on the cabinetry, which is a a black that's got Mm -hmm. a little bit of a deep purple undertone to it. I love that color. Yeah, it looks beautiful. It it makes them feel like a modern kitchen. Mm -hmm. And And all with paint. All with paint. But we got to get the right paint. The right paint. Correct. Updating the hardware, too, can help. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Get rid of those old, nasty, dirty, yucky-looking handles. Yeah. So in the last little bit that we've got, maybe a minute each, what, talk about your business really, very, just very quickly. Kim, let's start with you. Well, um, as a design um, consultant, um, I've learned over the last 25, 30 years what, what are the, the right ways to go about things and what are the, sure. the wrong mm-hmm. ways. Um, I'd really try to guide my clients. That there's a reason why they've called me. They need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are either, one, they have no ideas, or two, they have so many they cannot narrow it down. Um, and I, I really encourage um, for people to really kind of talk to someone who really kind of, they really know what they're doing. Um, Nancy and I both have been designers for a really long time. Um, we have our degrees in design. And um, I think, you know, for for myself, I love to take on remodels. Actually, they're a lot of fun just because I get to see the old become sure. updated and new. And right. people are always excited about that. Do you do that. commercial work too? Or is no, it mostly just residential? Just residential for All the right. most part, even though I did go to a church yesterday to help with the project. So <laughs> yesterday started commercial. Uh-huh. Um, but for the most part, residential. All right. um, I like new builds and I like remodels. Um, I think they, they both are um, great to work on. One of the things I could definitely recommend for people to do is um, kind of have an idea of what you want to do and what you want to keep and what mm. you would like to bring into it. One of the things I run into with people is they forget to add furniture to their budget of a remodel. And they run out of money at the end to buy furniture that really complements the whole project. Think about the whole project all the way around. And be honest with with you know whoever you're working with, if you are working with somebody, what are we keeping and why are we keeping it? Do we just need to find a new home for it? It doesn't necessarily mean leave your home, but just somewhere else mm-hmm. in the home. Um, but I I really love working with people, and I think that's part of the job that I really love is I just really love working with people. And it's their personal space. Um, so usually after I'm done with a project, we actually – it's kind of a, a hard you know, hard project to leave because uh-huh. we, we've ended up working on someone's personal space. And they're like, don't leave. <laughs> you we know, have a spare room. Yeah, can I just you – know, can I just give you a key and you, know, right. <laughs> you can come over anytime when I need something, um, which is great. I mean it, it means that they're really happy in the end. Right. Well, that's what it's all about. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Nancy, how about you? What's your business look like? I don't have anything else to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> how about residential or commercial? You just yeah, just residential. Um, I have yeah, most experience in residential. Not opposed to commercial. Just haven't had many of those jobs come along. Um, like Kim, I enjoy you know make, making the connection with the clients, understanding. Um, how they want to use the space and how I can best help them achieve that. So 
you know, with my design, I'm always looking at what is the function, who's living here and getting to know my clients. And yeah, in the end, it's it's wonderful when, you know, the project's over and there is that sort of bittersweet feeling mm-hmm. because you feel like you've become so involved in in their lives, their personal spaces that it's sort of sad to leave them. Right. But you just got to post a photo of yourself on the refrigerator and <laughs> yeah, and just always walk remember away, me. Right, right. right. <laughs> if our listeners do want to get in touch with either one of you, how about we get that contact information, Nancy? Sure, it's Nancy at NV Interiors three one two nine zero nine two seven two seven, and my email is Nancy at nvinteriorsmi dot com. Kim, uh, yes, you can get a hold of me at. Kim Zolper Interiors at gmail.com. My phone is 630-460-8246. Excellent. Kim and Nancy, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Thank Great. you. Thanks. And there you go. That's about it. But before we move on to the, you know, the business of closing out the show, I want to just piggyback onto what we were just talking about. And when I went and waxed so eloquent. I don't even know if it was eloquent. In fact, it's me. So chances are it wasn't very eloquent at all. But when I got all melodramatic or sappy about our homes and the stories that each wall can tell, you know, I know that there's somewhat of a tendency to to think I'm really overplaying it. And maybe I am. I don't know. It, It certainly is not intentional. I really do believe that. I believe that no matter what our house feels like right now, it can be better. And I know paint isn't going to fix everything. You know, if your kitchen cabinets aren't in great shape, paint isn't going to make them better. You know, and in fact, painting them might be an absolutely uh, huge waste of time and money, you know, but if they're in good shape, it can make a difference. And I truly believe that. I lived in a little house in Zealand for 15 years that was by no means perfect. And I guess this is why I care so much about this and I get excited about it because that little house, when I first saw it, it it really was nothing to speak about. It was just a very plain, simple, blue, vinyl-sided house in the middle of downtown Zealand. No big deal. Nothing eye-catching about it. And then I walked in, and I was blown away by how perfect everything was on that main level. The upstairs needed work, and I did that over time. But the main level was so perfect, and it was perfect because of the wallpaper chosen, because of the staining and the painting that were done on the woodwork, for example, on the walls, on the the living room, the colors chosen. Everything about it made the house speak to me and jump out at me. And really, it's the house that I still wish I had to some extent because it was so perfect in that regard. And it's only that way because the people ahead of me put the time and the effort into putting the right colors in the right places, the right patterns in the right spots. And all of that changed what was a very basic, very simple house into something that I didn't want to leave even after 15 years. Paint, varnish, stain, all of that and and the work that we put into it can make our homes into much more than what we what we have right now, more than we think they ever could be. I really think that's true, and we'd love to help you get there. That's what we want to do at Repco Light. That's what we've spent 70-odd years doing, helping people get to that point with knowledge, products, expertise, and all of that. So please, stop out and see us if you've got any projects on the horizon. There. 
that's the end of that. If you want to hear this episode again, you can find it online at RepcoLite.com. And while you're there, if you have any questions at all, make sure you use that online chat function. Have a great Saturday. And whatever you do today, make sure you make paint a part of it. The RepcoLite and Port City Paint Stores are open until 3, ready to help. I'm Dan Hansen. Thanks for listening.